0: I'm aboard the Struggle Bus. You've got problems just like us. I'm aboard the Struggle Bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the Struggle Bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions.
1: Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally,
0: hi, hi. How H- are you this I'm, morning? I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm trying to make you
1: talk so I can have some coffee right yeah, here.
0: Yeah, no, do that. I, I'm changing my jibber jabber okay. as we speak. Even though I really want Wait, to talk no, about I'm, what I,
1: I want to know what what have, I was going to talk. Lead. I'll do yeah. both. Yeah. Okay, can't bury the lead. Um, well, I'll tell you what. If you want to contact us, you can tweet at Struggle Bus Pod, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail dot com, Instagram slash the struggle bus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: That's what happens Sally when you do the worm with your was arms. was doing the worm
1: <laughs> and also to hit the microphone. No big deal. Um, use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a Struggle Buddy um, website, StruggleBusPodcast.com. If you want to become a member uh, for a little, as little as $5 a month and you get a Ticket to Ride card, Sally, mm-hmm. what is that?
0: Okay, a ticket to ride is uh, a card that you can keep in your wallet or in your pocket or under your pillow. It looks just like a fare card that you might use to swipe and get onto a city bus or a subway. And it says on one side, never ride alone. And on the other side, it says, I think, good for a lifetime of rides on the struggle bus. Yeah, And you can also write your name on it. Um, and it's uh, it's struggle bus yellow. And it's awesome. I carry mine with me at all times. And it's definitely worth five dollars. Yeah,
1: and just as um you know, just as important, you also get all the bonus episodes. We have eight of them. They're mm-hmm. monthly. And we're doing a new one soon. I'm yeah. guessing this weekend maybe.
0: Oh. We have 10 days
1: <laughs> we do have 10 days we'll get you another one in the next
0: 10 days there's gonna be a bonus episode you guys yeah. so it was five dollars a month and
1: you can get all that info on strugglebuspodcast.com. tweet at sally t tweet at sbk heller and if you want to email us a letter do strugglebuzzpodcast at gmail.com again but if you want to join our secret facebook group send a separate email with the uh line subject line uh, add the group add me to the group uh, and if you want to get advice, separate email with a different subject line, Strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, become a member if you want or not. You can listen. The show's free.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't got to become a member if you don't want. No. Sally,
1: is there a hint of cinnamon in this coffee? There or? is, and here's why. I okay. know that
0: it's not really your thing, and I was kind of hoping you wouldn't detect it. That's hilarious, because I, I but, do. It's not bad. But here's the thing. Um, I ran out of coffee this morning, and so I had to use my backup supply, which is like not super fresh, and the only way to make it sort of drinkable is to put a little... Cinnamon in it. You so I, I was kind of hoping you would notice the enhanced flavor, but not the cinnamon. No, I noticed both. Okay. But also, I didn't realize that was a thing. So you got to open your own coffee shop. I know, right? But it would just be like me brewing. I just have like one option. It's Ooh. like with cinnamon or without. Great. <laughs> Great, I'd go. Done um, and done. Is it like that place? Uh, has that place closed yet? The uh, the bad place that, that you keep going place. to. Ugh. They should close. Or no, like I sell haven't. It to I you. haven't. I keep talking about. It. I never go to it. Yeah. I just want to be clear. I do not patronize that garbage place. Yeah, but I did walk by it this weekend and scowl. What's it called, Erin? Clever. Bl- blend. Clever blend. Yeah, just so you all know. On Fifth Avenue in yeah. Park Slope. We are not, uh, we are not sponsored patronized. Yeah, we are not sponsored by them. By them. We're sponsored by not going to them. Exactly. Um, Cool. So should we start? a uh, yes. Jibber jabber. Okay, so I just actually changed my jibber jabber. I was going to talk I, but I, f- I found a way to work it seamlessly into my self-care. Because so you wrote something else in the docs. I did. So, okay. I did. But I'm going to talk about when we talk about self-care. Got it. So um this past Friday I was invited to speak at, to uh, um, students at the School of Social Work at Adelphi University um, in downtown Manhattan. And I was invited by an old professor of mine, um, Shannon Lane. I don't know if she listens, but I'll say her name. She's the best, um, who was a professor of mine when I was in grad school and and is awesome and made me understand Social work research, which was the thing I would I thought I would never get Um, anyway. So I talked to her class. It was like a small class. And I talked about community organizing and like my um, the campaign that I worked on. And they asked me such amazing questions about like allyship and like. Yeah, like, cause, you know, I, I worked on this like transgender rights bill and I was talking about being an ally to a community and someone was like, but how did you get them to trust you? And I was like, ah, oh, that's an amazing question. Great question. Yeah. And it, it gave me, and I was like, I don't know that I did. Um, I was very honest, but like, it gave me an opportunity to just like reflect on my work and like my relationship to my work. And it was really cool to just be talking to like, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 12 people who are like pretty psyched about going out there and like helping people in like a like social work has this code of ethics. That's really social justice based. It's like the only helping the only helping profession that has this code of ethics. So like when you go to a social worker, like they're not just interested in like giving you therapy, they're interested in like, or like managing your case. They also are going by this really social justice based code of ethics. And so it's really cool to talk to students who are interested in helping people, not just with their, like, the things they struggle with in their lives, but also understanding how the systems that are around us, like, marginalize us and impact us. And they were just really, like, fired up. Um, Like, I mean, I mean, they were just, like, really – they're just, like, really – they have that, like, student thing of being, like, ready to, like, get out in the world and, like, be done with school and, like, do their thing. And it was really cool energy to be around, especially – right at this moment where it's like every day like as Molly Neffel said on Twitter the phrase fresh hell was like invented for the times that we're living in right now Um, and it was just like really rad Um, and it was also just really fun for me I love talking to people in groups not one-on-one please don't talk to me one-on-one but I love talking to people in groups (laughs) caveat when I'm like in the front of the room not like at a party Mm -hmm. um I like holding court I like to talk at people um so it was just really enjoyable and uplifting and it was on a Friday evening and it like was like the Fucking best way to end the week. That's so. cool
1: because you feel in a way that you're not alone and uh you can you can grow old gracefully as others slowly take over the world for you I with know. good intentions.
0: Yeah. I, I was like, we're gonna be okay. Like you guys are gonna crush it. Like yeah. thank you for like doing what you're about to do. You may have so. seen me roll my eyes when you were talking.
1: It was me going, Hey, you know, because everyone's like PC culture, this, that, and it's like, maybe if we change the word PC to code of ethics, because that's literally all it is. <laughs> right, yeah. It's exactly. like, hey, don't say this. Why yeah. not? You just can't. Yeah,
0: yeah. Please yeah. don't be a terrible person. PC, please.
1: Yeah, it's like no code of ethics. It's it's just sort of a uh, an agreement. You don't have to agree to it. You don't have to be my friend either. But it's (laughs) a a social, you know, agreement that people take and they don't have to but that most people do. Yeah, totally. Anyway. So, Catherine, what are you going to jibber-jabber about? Well, first of all, MTA update. Uh, Yeah, You all wrote in and said, congrats on the 100th episode. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And then others wrote in and were like, hey, check this out. And meanwhile, I'm on the train going, you guys, it's still happening today. So my Twitter timeline was full of um, me being stuck on the train again. (sighs) I'm finally following the F train because I I wanted to start a Twitter handle, but someone else did. It's hilarious. They said, it's like I can't get through a day without a catastrophic failure, which I love. Wait, that's like
0: the F F train. That's the F train <laughs> That's mock, amazing. mock yeah, Twitter. Yeah. It's
1: uh, at MTA underscore F underscore train, which That's I was so great. Really jazzed about. But the other things I want to talk about is I've been a little down. Um the news is really, really rough every day, <laughs> no matter what day. And yet uh this week it kind of hit again kinda hard. I've been not not paying attention, but like, okay, we gotta get through and keep, you know, moving forward and dealing with things. And this this week was just a clusterfuck. As you know, Philando Castile's um Murder, they found that the guy who shot him did not kill him, so you know, um, which is uh awful. And uh, then we had another black woman who was killed by the police, uh, Charlena Lyles, and the Muslim woman who was killed. I don't have her name in front of me, Nabra
0: There's, Hassanen, yeah, um, Virginia,
1: yes, in Virginia. Um, that and the health care and all the other things and that the are
0: mosque attacks on attack. worshippers in London, yes, yes, that it's was it's been very a recent. really big news week,
1: yeah. Um, A a
0: terrible news week.
1: So I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough. So I'm feeling a little like, again, keep using whatever you can to help, to change, to help, to
0: listen. And and, um, it's just kind of, it's been a little bit sad. Yeah, it's been really rough. It's been like really profoundly sad and scary. I just keep thinking about like my just black people in this country and Muslim people in this country and everywhere. And it's... um, It's really hard to wrap your mind around, Mm -hmm. and you know it feels like this is happening more or something, but it's not. It's
1: it's being reported more, and also now people have cameras to Mm -hmm. record it, so it's it's been happening forever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like it's something new, but it just feels like it is because the news occasionally goes into bursts of Mm -hmm. reporting on it.
0: But but I feel like I mean the Islamophobic violence. Sorry, I meant the.
1: Police killing black people. Oh yeah, sorry, but yeah. yes, the Muslim Islamophobia has definitely yeah. gotten worse for sure. Yeah,
0: it has. Like, it's like, I mean, I'm sure though it it also has been going on for a while, but the like the like targeting mm-hmm. of Muslims is just like fucking terrifying. And
1: usually women. Usually it's yeah. been. I mean, there's been a lot of victims. Sorry, especially with the mosque, um, yeah, um, hit. But yeah, like the, the young woman. Or the guys who got stabbed in Portland. It's because yeah. they were defending a young woman. And so there's a lot of stuff. There's misogyny. There's yeah. Islamophobia. There's...
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of times what, like, people see a hijab mm-hmm. and, like, use it as, like, a, okay, yeah, you know, I like, right. a signifier. Not that, I mean, please, like, I'm sure we can throw misogyny in there, too. But, um, yeah. and the other thing, like, just talking about terrible things is, like, On Saturday, I was reading the paper and the the New York Times and there was this headline that said before the gunfire in in Virginia, a volatile home life in Illinois. And it was about the guy that um, shot up like, was it a baseball practice Mm -hmm. where like a congressman was? Yes. And I was just like the the reflecting on the euphemism of volatile home life because... He he's the one who caused the the volatility. Like he has a a, a record of like violence against mm. women in his family, and it's just like. Also, he if he were any other color, he
1: wouldn't. That article would not have well, run. Yeah. Well, that
0: for sure. But it's like I was talking about this with my girlfriend. Like, if if we don't want to pay attention to domestic violence as a predictor of like you know other violence and like mass shootings. Um, because we don't care about women. Maybe you just then fine. Let's not care about women. Let's let's just care about the men that that man might kill in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a reason to care about domestic violence. You the know? Portland stabbing.
1: Those those were men who yeah. stood up for a woman who got stabbed by this guy. So, yeah, it affects everyone. Everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe
1: start paying attention at home.
0: Yeah, that would be rad. Um, I <laughs> didn't mean to um, to colonize your jibber jabber. You know, I just I'm, wanted to keep talking about all the terrible. I'm things. glad
1: that you chimed in because it's just I didn't know what else to say. Um, so there's a lot to process and unpack so and think much about. To and um, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well, that's a really good segue. What have you been doing for self care? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I, uh, yesterday I had one of
1: those days where I had an audition in a certain building and then I had three hours of free time and another audition in that same building, in that same neighborhood. Normally I'd be like Starbucks, but it was in a neighborhood. Uh, it was in the financial district. Mm. I can say that. And yeah, Fidei, And, uh, it's just weird. 9-11 stuff. Like it's right by the world trade center and it was hot yesterday. And then I couldn't find a Starbucks that let you sit (sighs) because it's like more of a get in and out, you know, business environment. And then I thought uh, for a while, it's not happened, but a little panic attack coming on. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Go home. Like, just go home. Yeah. And I was like, but I already packed my stuff. I'm ready. I had hours to kill. Mm -hmm. I had work to do. But I was like, you know what? Go home. So I did. And it was really nice. And I uh, cuddled with my boyfriend Mm -hmm. and kind of just took a moment to center myself and then went out and, you know. There's times where you just know you need to just not do a thing. Totally. It's uh, so basic. But um, I did that and it really made a difference because I would not have gotten through the day.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's I would amazing.
1: Have, but I was like, I feel vulnerable. I feel panicked. Yeah. And I don't do well in the heat, Sally. That's a little thing you should know about me.
0: Yeah. I, I have to say, like that situation, but like in a different season, mm-hmm. like maybe you would have been like, you know what, I'll get through this. Oh. But like in the heat. It's Ida like an HM no. gift card. I could have taken the yeah. train
1: up one stop and like done some shot No. Mm-mm. No, it's
0: it's been like really oppressively humid and hot and it's been um like I've just been like so angry. Well, I'm just like stomping around the city, like angry at our terrible environment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good job. What did you do for self care? -care. I, um, okay. So I was invited (laughs) to, uh, something on Saturday night, which I was actually looking forward to, but any, there's, there are two kinds of social things that I don't ever want to go to mm-hmm. things I'm looking forward to and I will enjoy and things I'm not looking forward to. And I know I won't enjoy, I don't want to go to either of those things. Can you, <laughs> can you read what you wrote on the doc? Cause that's the best part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I knew that the thing at, night that I was going to with my girlfriend was going to be like a few hours. So to prepare for it, I spent eight hours, I spent about eight hours in bed in preparation for being (laughs) social for about two and a half hours. (laughs) So basically like I've learned, I think actually through like talking about self-care on the struggle bus has helped me like notice my patterns, you know? And I've, I've come to realize that like, if I have a social thing at the end of the day or in the evening, I actually, if I spend the time leading up to that, Doing like absolutely nothing, expending like no emotional energy, I can actually like look forward to the thing I'm going to and like get through it. So, um, we first of all, the other thing I was going to talk about that I took out of the doc was I was going to talk about Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick, (laughs) because we watched uh Blade Runner and um, we watched Blade Runner on Saturday, the day I was in bed for eight hours, and uh, Minority Report on Sunday. We had, like, a Philip K. Dick weekend, and I just... Who's Philip K. Dick? He Philip K. Dick is the dude that wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which oh. Blade Runner is based on. He wrote, like, Minority Report. He wrote the movie that Total Recall was based on, The Adjustment Bureau. I didn't know his like, name was Philip Dick. Yeah. Great. PKD. Um, And he wrote these books that are, like... I'm sure people who are into the genre think he's amazing, but I think that most people think of him as like, he was like on speed for a lot of the time and he wrote these like kind of (laughs) mediocre books, but that people have Mm -hmm. adapted into like the most amazing movies. So, um, and, and they're all like, you know, this really intense, a lot of them deal with this really intense, like dystopian future where, these huge shadowy entities kind of control your life. It's maybe the government or corporations. And no, you
1: were just watching MSNBC, So right. It's not a movie.
0: <laughs> I was just watching a newsreel. Um, but yeah, it's like, and and like, but in both Minority Report and Blade Runner, there are like these. It's like, what is self perception? What's the nature of identity? And who are we? And what do we see? And is what we see real? And it, it's just, it's really, really, um immersive and absorbing and watching those movies completely prevented me from like getting like, like, like just like indulging my anxiety. They were just like so amazingly distracting and immersive and also kind of deep, um, so that was my self care. Wow. Watching dystopian movies. When you said uh, he's the
1: guy who wrote those movies, I was like, no, that was
0: Tom Cruise. Like I don't know why I have <laughs> yeah, him in my head totally. as a writer. Bonus. Wow, Tom Cruise.
1: that's that's amazing.
0: Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a really good way to spend a weekend. I I advise if you're gonna if you're gonna watch one movie based on a Philip K. Dick story, you just like make a weekend of it and watch like a handful of them.
1: I imagine that would stress me out, but. Maybe it's better just to sort of lean into it. They're incredibly stressful. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> so uh, should we get into this? Let's
1: do it. Email number one. Do you want to read or should I? Um, uh, yeah, I'll read. Uh, also, content note. Emotional abuse slash death of a pet. Yes.
0: Upsetting. Very upsetting very, death of a pet. Yeah, very upsetting death of a pet. I, I guess add. we can probably say like murder, of, murder a pet. of a pet. That's probably more accurate. Yeah. Okay, so this person wanted to be called Tala. It could also be Tala. I'm not sure how you pronounce mm. it. Do you want to go with Tala? What does it seem like to you? I don't know, but it's a Sioux word for wolf. Yeah, yeah. So they said it's the Sioux word for wolf, and I'm really sorry for n- we're mispronouncing it. But I, I would say Tala, I'm but gonna I'm I'm going to say not. Tala. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, background info. I grew up in what I would consider an emotionally abusive family. My father was incredibly controlling. He was the head of the family, and we were all there to serve him. The entire family shared one email that he set up. He opened all of the mail. When we were going through the home, we had to recognize him as we entered or exited the room and let him know where we were going, what we were doing, and why. He saw the family as his and because we were there for him. He would do things like smack mine in my sister's butt and comment on our weight. He told me that I had to get braces because someday I was going to be competing for a man and needed to have good teeth. Not for my own health, but so that I could find a good man. It even went as far as he shot and killed my dog when I was in high school, which is a long story, but not relevant. I just needed you to know where I'm coming from. So that is my backstory. Story time. I am in a seven-year relationship, for two years of which I have been married. He is the love of my life, and I couldn't imagine life without him. We share a common passion and are generally seen as a quote-unquote ideal couple. Earlier this month, we had an argument that led me to feeling like he is slash has been emotionally controlling me through gaslighting and guilt. I've talked to my therapist and she was worried for me the week that it happened. She told me that if I decided to end it, then I needed a safety plan. I talked with many, many friends and I had more than one ask me if he ever hit me. The answer is a very definite no, but something about the story I was telling put off flags in my friends' heads during the argument he said things like if you wanted your freedom you shouldn't have married me and you are not to leave the house except for work and with me these are obviously horribly controlling statements and reminded me of my childhood i can't imagine life without him and i was in a really horrible mindset for two to three weeks after this i couldn't stop comparing him to my father then i met my therapist again she did make me feel a lot better but she said that when she left her emotional abuser, she felt a weight lifting and was happy she got out of it, not saying that it wasn't hard, but that she was relieved it finally happened. She told me that I need to watch out for me, and it was okay not to be ready to give up on this yet. I'm not. I'm not ready to throw this relationship to the wind, so I'm giving it all I have. I'm afraid that I'm setting myself up for a huge letdown if things go south again, but I know how close I was to throwing it away, and if something this drastic happens, I'm not going to try to save it. Sorry, if something this drastic happens again, I'm not going to try to save it. He refuses to get therapy. He says that therapy only works if you believe in it, and he doesn't believe. But he has been conscientious of me and is seeming to make an effort to change. Although emotional abusers, I know, can't change without first accepting that something is wrong. He also says that all of the things that he said to me when he was angry, he didn't mean, and he did finally come to give a heartfelt apology. My questions are these. How do I work towards trusting him again? Now that I have connected him to my father and I refuse to trust my father, how can I trust the man I have chosen to spend my life with? I don't have a healthy example of relationships. He used to say that if I went against his wishes, I was disrespecting him. But where does a person draw the line between respecting someone's wishes and not allowing themselves to be controlled? Also, any thoughts are appreciated. I am being steadfast with my freedoms to speak to my friends and go out without him. He won't take those away again. My hope is that as long as I stay strong and set boundaries he can't cross, then we will be able to make this work. I am throwing myself into this relationship in the hopes that I can find the peace that we have had for the vast majority of the seven years. Thanks for listening, Tala. Mm. All right. Thank you for writing in. That's, that is so
1: hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to answer your direct questions soon, but I want to sort of gloss over—not gloss over—get into some other parts that kind of jumped out at me. First of all, if friends are asking, or in general, if people say, "But does he hit you?" Abuse can happen in so many ways. So just because someone is not being hit, um, does not mean that they're, they're not being abused. This is sort of a PSA for everyone because I know it's it's where we immediately go to when you hear abuse, right? Yeah. And somehow it's different than emotional abuse and. It is different, but it doesn't mean that it's not terrible and, you know, manipulative and abuse, basically. So that's the first thing. Secondly, uh, I just can't help but notice you said twice in the letter, I can't imagine life without him. And I I think there's a reason subconsciously maybe you wrote that is it does jump out that can you, you know, um, I'm glad you're in therapy. From the way I read this, it sounds like you're not in regular therapy. And also, I wasn't sure about why your shrink told you about her own experience because, in my experience, therapists don't make anything about them. I had a shrink once talk about when I was quitting smoking, mention something that she used to smoke. Like it, it was the closest we ever got in real life. Anyway, um, most therapists don't usually talk about themselves. So, um, but I don't I don't want to make judgment on this because I didn't get that much detail. The point is if you are seeing a therapist, you like try to go regularly, weekly, because that's that's when you start to see some change. There's no doubt after reading this that there is abuse happening, um, it's very, very clear. In fact, you you hearing it back, I wonder if you can hear it as well because you wrote it. It's it's very clear. There is nothing wrong with wanting to work on a relationship, but I think number one, it is very important to stick with this topic of is this my relationship with my father 2.0? And if that's the case, I don't I know it's all you know right now, and this is something you said, like I said, you said twice, but um, Gosh, I how, how to put this. It's hard to do. It's hard to start working on that. But that is something that I hope you continue to address as you move forward because we all sort of mimic relationships that we're taught, healthy or not healthy. And um, it is possible to get out of that. In fact, it's probably preferable because let's say you decide to have a child or or just in general if he, you know, starts being more controlling – It's perpetuating the abuse that you grew up with, and um, I know that with therapy, there is a way to learn about these behaviors. Sally, before I keep Um, going...
0: Yeah, I co-sign everything you said. Um, and I, it also jumped out at me. I can't imagine life without him, both the first and second time you said it, Tala. Because I think, like, um, I think it's one thing to be like in a sort of offhand way, like I can't imagine life without my partner. I think a lot of us feel that way. But if you like sit down and you truly can't imagine how you would live your life without this person, I think that that is not like the romantic stuff of fairy tales. I think that that's like a sign that something deeper is happening around your autonomy or independence being compromised. Because I think no matter how much you love someone and want to be with someone, I think like ideally, like you always want to be able to survive without them. Not I mean, I mean, if like, you know, if something terrible happens, be it like a breakup or like some terrible illness or death, like you do have to go on after that. Um, and like it's preferable. I mean, it's it's tragic and devastating to lose a partner and i actually can't even like fathom how that would feel but i do know that like it happens and people do go on with their lives and so i think it's like really important to be able to think about like why you can't imagine your life without him or why you're like attached to the idea of not being able to live your life without him um you know the other thing i noticed in your letter is that like you talked a lot about how you don't want to like throw the relationship to the wind and you you're you, you you've you been so close to throwing it away and like just the language you used is like the language of someone who is like the person who's making the decision to like end the relationship in a careless way but actually like he's the person who's breaking the contract between two people who are in a relationship mm-hmm. like he's actually the one who's breaking the relationship um you choosing to not be with him if he shows that he's controlling and manipulative, uh, you're not throwing it away. You're choosing yourself and your personhood and your happiness and your wholeness as a person over him doing this stuff to you. So that's just it, it, and that is like really different than quote unquote throwing a relationship away or throwing it to the wind. And I think it's important to like reframe that because your questions are also like, you said, how do I work towards trusting him again? Uh I mean, I don't really think it's your job to work towards trusting him again. I think it's like his job to become a trustworthy partner. And I think the fact that he said those things to you mm-hmm. um and also won't go to therapy, like those are huge red flags. And uh it it's on him. And and he apologized, which is like great. But like honestly, um the bare minimum that you're supposed to do for someone you're in a relationship with is let them live their own life and not control them. I mean, that's like a given. So if you're not doing that, you have a lot more work to do than making an apology, no matter how how heartfelt it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you, you said, how can I trust the man I've chosen to spend my life with? I think it's like, you know, you know, yeah, like choosing to spend your life with someone is a commitment, but that that commitment has conditions. And one of the conditions is that neither person abuses the other, and this is abusive controlling manipulative gaslighting behavior so he has like dissolved the contract so you you are now free to walk away um you know i i just i think it's like really i i think if you're you're trying to figure out where does a person draw the line between respecting someone's wishes and not allowing themselves to be controlled that the fact that you are trying to parse that should indicate to you that the situation you're in has he has rearranged things successfully enough in your mind that that's a line that you can no longer find for yourself mm-hmm. and you're trying to find it, you know, or your relationship with your dad rearranged those things in your mind and he's just sort of like jumping on that train. Um, either way, like I feel really strongly that th- this is a really, um, I-, I I feel strongly that, I mean, it sounds like you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, but that thing actually that I think is like a more salient part of your letter is like your conception of like fault and your conception of like blame and whose role it is to figure out what in the relationship. I really agree with Catherine that you should go to therapy more regularly. And I think that your therapist telling you that you need a safety plan if you're going to leave him, I think is a really, really important idea. And I, I, strongly urge you to like talk to your friends and talk to, you know, different places in your community for like who provide services to women who are to people who are leaving dangerous domestic situations. Um, and I think that if your plan is to stay until it's safe enough to get out, I think that that, um, but like, please prioritize your personal safety is what I'm saying. Um, and, and be really careful. And I want to be really clear that neither Catherine nor I, I think is telling you like what to do mm-hmm. in terms of like leaving or not leaving or doing it now or doing it later. I think that like, um, I think that like what I'm saying is like, p- please prioritize your safety. And also please like if you can read your letter back to yourself, pretending that like someone else wrote it, I think you'll see what we see, which is that, um, the, like your frame is putting so much more blame on yourself than you deserve. Okay, everything Sally said, and
1: I do want to answer these questions, and I will in one second, but about breaking up and about feeling that you may not want to be in a relationship and divorce. I like to treat my friends breaking up or going through things and divorce as much as I emotionally – feel about marriage, right? It's a huge decision and celebration of love and all that amazing stuff. If someone chooses to leave someone, huge decision. Maybe it's actually for the best. Maybe it's something that will take a lot out of the person. I am there for that friend. And you have the right to leave your relationship at any moment. You're not a failure. You don't have to stay with someone just because you said you would. Just so you know, Sally was on point a million percent. He broke a lot of that contract. Um, You can leave someone for any reason. You uh, honestly can. But let's talk about you first. So here, let's get to the questions. How do you work towards trusting him again? Flip that around. I want you to work towards trusting you. Because everything you wrote in this letter, you know. That that is abuse. And you know that that is recreating the life you grew up with. And you don't have to. You do not have to think about trusting your yourself and your decisions and your gut. Work on that. Allow yourself to be you responding to a situation and not trying to make it better for everyone else. Right. We want to take care of you first. Um, and of course, he's, you know, you connected him emotionally with your father. Everyone I date is, is connected at some point with, you know, my parents, because that's the relationship structure you learn. And a lot of my therapy is um, recognizing that and or deciding what works for me and, you know, changing my approach to things to. Oh, yeah, I guess I pretty much covered this. The healthy example of relationships. Um, where does a person draw the line between respecting someone's wishes? is not? Uh, well, I mean, you already drew a line. Uh, for yourself which i think is great and um, you know that this your partner is being controlling so you can draw the line wherever you want uh, the second you get uncomfortable and start telling people that's that's it I mean you're you're clearly um, concerned and uh, number three those are my thoughts okay um, yeah I, I mean I hope that sort of covers it from mine that's kind of all I wanted to say about that but Everything Sally said, especially about having a plan. And listen, you can just separate for a while, see how that goes, and then go back together. People do that all the time. You can do pretty much anything you want, and you have that power. And I just wanna reiterate that you have those
0: options. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing I just want to mention, which kind of ties into the stuff I was saying earlier, um, you said my hope is that as long as I stay strong and set boundaries he can't cross, we'll be able to make this work. I'm throwing myself into this relationship. And I, I think, like, again, that assumes that, like, you've done something, like, you've created the problem in the relationship. So if you just, like, throw yourself into it, you can fix it. And I think, like... You know, I it would really, really surprise me to hear that someone who was, like, controlling and emotionally abusive um, without really seeking any professional help all of a sudden was able to respect boundaries that you set. Um, I mean, I guess it can work. So I'm not saying, like, you know, I, I don't know your partner and whatever. But, like, I just I think it's, like, really important to um, just, like, put this in perspective. You know, also, I think that, like, if you can read some stuff about um, emotionally abusive men or just like people and, uh, gaslighting and stuff like that. And like, you know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe like a friend can let you use their computer if like, you know, maybe your partner would like look at you what you've been looking at mm-hmm. or something. But like, I I would like, re- I, I just, I, I know from like my own experience and like the experience of people close to me, like reading stuff that describes a certain kind of person makes you connect dots that you didn't really realize were there before. And it can help you be like, Oh my God, like it's actually not just these like few things he's done recently. There's like a history of this and I see how it's connected to my dad. And like, I just, uh, and, and I think that that might give you like a little bit more perspective on what you're dealing with. I'm really, really glad that you're in therapy and that you talk to your friends about this because those are two outside support systems that I think can really like shepherd you through whatever it is you decide to do. So, um, Yeah, Tala, just like take care of yourself and put yourself first and, um, you know, we'll be, we're rooting for you. Yep. Let us know. Thank you for writing in. And um, yeah. Cool. All right. So this email is from Nymphadora Tonks. Yeah. You want to read up? Sure. Uh, Content note, physical abuse. Hi, Sally
1: and Catherine. I have to say I love the podcast. It's so incredibly warm and loving and so, so helpful. Sorry in advance for the long question. My background is this. I'm 25. I live in a very expensive city, and I'm lucky enough to live in my family home with my mom while I work. I have two siblings, one older brother, one younger brother who lives at home, and an older sister. My mother is a widow. A few years ago, my father passed away. My dad was a very strict disciplinarian father who would punish us physically with a cane when we misbehaved. While we were growing up, a cousin lived with us who came to this country with my parents as immigrants. She was in her teens, and she very much got the worst of it. She was constantly beaten with a cane and did a huge amount of work co-raising us with my parents. She did a lot of the housework and the rearing of my other siblings and I. She eventually left when I was about 12 and has been in and out of our lives ever since, but she is very much still seen as the family black sheep, which pains me a lot. I struggle with a lot of body issues and have done since... I was very young. My parents, especially my father, always made comments about my weight and my body in general, very often putting me on scales to look at how much my weight was and putting me on diets as a child. I have for a long time and still do struggle with binge eating and spent a long time with very low self-esteem. As a kid, I was also expected to be a low-key domestic goddess, as my parents were and are, in the case of my mother, very traditional, and expected me as a girl to cook and clean for the entire family and still bring home straight A's, which I did. I also struggle with other anxiety-related things and have very recently started getting therapy for them. There are clearly a lot of unresolved issues within my family. I know my parents did their best with the resources they had. I know they were both war survivors who had and have lost a huge amount of loved ones in their lives. Despite this, I find it hard to be kind to my mother because I haven't dealt with a lot of the stuff from our shared past. And she still says unkind things about my body as well as unkind things about my cousin, even though my cousin has been nothing but gracious to us the few times she's reached out to my family. I find it hard to forgive my father, even though he struggled all his life to make things better for us. But he was often so cruel, not just physically, but verbally as well and emotionally. I often feel that I'm reacting oversensitively to the way we were brought up, and it's only me that is struggling with issues from our upbringing. I have tried to talk to my mother about how unhelpful her comments are about my body and my other mental health issues, but as she is very religious, she doesn't really hear it and says I just need to pray more or doesn't take into account what I say. I've never talked to her about my cousin. My question is this. I want to move out, but I want to save enough money to do so. However, my mother has expressed a huge amount of reluctance at anyone moving out before they are married, and as she is a widow, struggles with loneliness. Any attempts we make to get her out of the house are met with reticence. Is it right for me to move out when my mother will be so lonely? When my mother will be lonely? Thanks. Nymphadora Tonks.
0: Okay, Nymphadora, thanks for writing in. Um I don't think you're responding oversensitively to the things you experienced in childhood. That sounds uh, really traumatic. The physical abuse of yourself and your siblings and your cousin, the emotional abuse sounds really intense. It also sounds like your mom is presently, um, well, I don't know if she's emotionally abusive, but it sounds like she's refuses to hear you talking, you talking to her about that stuff. Um, I think that you should definitely move out, um, as soon as you can afford to. And like, not the, like the, thi- like I was talking about this with someone on Twitter recently, like, you know, I like think compare the like emotional toll it takes on you to living check, uh, the emotional toll living check to check takes on you. Compare that with the emotional toll, um, living with your parent takes on you and like choose the one that takes less of emotional toll which is probably living check to check so I would say don't wait until you've amassed a fortune that can like you can survive on for like five years wait until you have enough money for like a safe what's it called a safety uh, a deposit a safety deposit Mm -hmm. my god wait until you have enough money for like a deposit and like some rent and like whatever else and like I would say get the fuck out of your mom's house because I mean compounding the trauma from childhood with a mother who's like won't hear you and tells you to pray more. Um And like, sounds like, you, you know, was like enabling of the abuse, if not also abusive is like, that's not good for your mental health. And honestly, like I, I don't think that I think in like in a, in a perfect world, like parents raise us really well and then we take care of parents in return. But like, in an imperfect world, parents like do quote unquote their best. And sometimes their best is like completely fucking mediocre and unacceptable. In that case, I really don't think you're on the hook for like worrying about their loneliness or taking care of them in old age. Like I, I, I feel like I, I'm not saying it will be easy and, and you will be like without guilt, but I, I would, I would say that you don't have a responsibility to live there. I would say that you shouldn't live there for your mental health. And you deserve to live your own life, like you know. Parent, it's it's true that like parents are people too, and they might have experienced trauma, and maybe it's compromised their ability to be decent parents. That's fine, but that doesn't mean, or it's not fine. It's just it is. That doesn't mean that you know they're off the hook. It doesn't mean you have to forgive them. It doesn't mean that like it excuses them and so then you should like continue doing what they need and like taking care of them. It, it means that they, it, it, it means that they like, you know, parented to their highest potential and their highest potential was extremely low. Um, so like that, that is just like a fact that's data and it's like data for you to use, um, when you decide whether or not you want to stick around. And I think if it's like, if it's someone that like we're not blood related to, often we're like I'm not sticking around. Like you've treated me like shit. Like peace the fuck out. Mm. Um, but with parents, we're like, well, you did get birth to me, and you did, you know, let me live in your house, and you were really traumatized. I don't know. Maybe I owe you. And I just, I think that's like a not a thing. Yeah, and, and it's tough,
1: right? It's, it's guilt tripping enough when you have a parent who doesn't want you to leave the house, and they're going to be so lonely. But at the end of the day. You know that you want to leave the house and you know that you should and you will. And is your mother going to say she's lonely and not want to do things? Most likely, yes. But it sounds like you have siblings as well. And she will never be alone alone. You know, like you're, you're not the only child. And even if you were, you still have the right to move out. But you're a family, and you make decisions. Sometimes you make decisions for yourself and they adapt. Sometimes it works out uh, very well. Sometimes it's, it's rocky and very few cases you lose contact with a parent or a sibling. That's rare. So you need to start thinking about what you want and setting some very clear boundaries and your mother will likely adapt and it might even be better for your relationship. Think of it that way. I can't guarantee that at all, but it's, it is different when you have the, um, you know, they they left the country because of war, and they did all these things for you. I know most Americans are raised like you can leave the house, whatever you want. Don't take care of anyone. Um, so there is that sort of cultural ch- uh, yeah, change. True, it's true. different, but but that doesn't mean that you still can't get the things that are good for you and healthy for you. And at some point, you may have to have a difficult conversation or a piece of knowledge given to your mom, like okay, so here's the deal. I'm leaving the house, but. You know, it doesn't mean I'm out of your life. It means this. But I I wonder if you do have um, someone to talk to about this, like a therapist yeah. or someone who um, is objective or maybe even a sibling, uh, maybe just sort of like talk about it, things with your siblings, too, and sort of feel out where you're all feeling about this. Like, do you want to take turns sort of helping your mom out sometimes because she is alone? You know, I understand that. There's so many ways in which you can go about this where everyone's going to be OK and it doesn't need to be a dramatic shift. Um But, yeah, I I think what Sally said, especially the part I saw that conversation you were having about making the choice. Is it worth this or financially, which one would be more preferable for me? That's a great exercise to do. And you don't need to do it tomorrow, you know, but it's something to think about. And, yeah, you clearly will be a lot better outside of this house. There's so many ways to go about it that are going to be you know, could be very beneficial for other people in the situation, too. Your siblings and your mom.
0: Yeah, I, Catherine, thank you for bringing up the cultural thing, because I realized that my advice was not very culturally sensitive. No, no, it was in any context, but
1: everything gets layered.
0: Yeah, I mean I actually think it wasn't culturally sensitive, oh, okay. but um and so I I just want to be clear that I realize that. Um I stick with my advice. Like I I still think I would say the same thing, but um I probably would have prefaced it with like I I realize there might be cultural things happening here and cuz like I, you know, it, it was very strident advice. Um but like I also just think that um like I just think that like when you're a kid, like you are sort of, like, at your parents' mercy because you, like, <laughs> when you're a really little kid, like, you can't, like, reach things. And then you get older and, like, you can reach things, but you don't have money. And then, like, when you're older, like, you have money, but you don't have enough money or whatever. Um, and I, But I think that you get to a certain point of adulthood where you become, like, a viable, independent, autonomous person. And at that point, like, you're... At that point, if you're staying in a situation that's emotionally unhealthy, I think you have to, like, ask yourself what's really happening for you, that you're choosing the needs and happiness of a person who was abusive or enabled your abuse like over your own. And I really think like Catherine is very correct about like c- talking to a therapist. I I mean, just the abuse from your childhood. Um, that is a lot. I mean, that is trauma. Like, I mean, I don't mean to tell you how to experience your childhood, but like what you read to me felt traumatizing, um, the, 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 um, commenting on your body, putting you on the scale, the, the, um, is this the, the, uh, like the physical abuse, Mm -hmm. um, that is all stuff that leaves like really deep and intense, like psychological scars. And so I, I would like definitely encourage you to seek professional help for that stuff for like processing that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I did, Sally, think you gave very good advice, though. I didn't Thank think you. it was uh, too much. But, you know, there's so many variables in any situation that changes things. And this is, you know, some some of yours. I did also notice that any attempts we make to get her out of the house are met with reticence, well, she's choosing sort of to be alone. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but she's making some choices herself that have, you know, results. And it means that she's not meeting friends or people yeah. and that's that's something you can't change mm-hmm. if she doesn't want to do that, you know? Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone live their own life. Let her stay in the house and be lonely and not meet new people. Yeah. And you leave the house and maybe she doesn't want to leave the house. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, um
1: yeah. Should we should we do the third letter? Do we have time?
0: Um I mean I have time. Okay, let's do it. Do you
1: have like bandwidth? Yeah I do. Okay. Yeah. I came oh. here earlier today listeners and I was like, I don't know if I can do more than two because mm-hmm. the two are very heavy. Yeah. You know, a lot to think about. But I, I feel like I could Do the third
0: one. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So, okay. This is from Drusilla. Um, Okay. Dear Kate and Sally, this is an update slash question from Drusilla from episode 58, The Adventures of Loopy and Peanut Butter. Wonderful title. (laughs) Also, I use they, them pronouns now. My last question was about my dad. I'm sad to say that our relationship did not work out. I broke contact with him a few weeks ago. However, your response to my letter was super validating and all in all, I'm glad he's out of my life, at least for now. It sucks, it's incredibly tough, but I'm real proud of myself and feel confident that I'm on the right path. I also have a question. So I graduated college. I have a bachelor's in math, which I've grown to hate, especially because I had a garbage experience (laughs) as a major. However, I found that music and music production are my passion, which is super exciting. I took some music classes senior year and gained a lot of confidence in my abilities. I write music all the time am learning to play bass and I'm learning about music production on my own time. But now that I'm graduating, I'm asking myself, how do I incorporate this into my life? I know I can continue doing what I'm doing, but how do I put myself out there as a musician? And do you have any advice on eventually having a job that is related to music slash music production? Thanks as always, Drusilla.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for writing in. Well, I think we talked a little bit about in the past how you can incorporate all of your love of things into a thing that it can also help pay rent or have a job that helps pay the rent while pursuing some of the things you love. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where you live, but I mean, there's so many wonderful open mics and music scenes, online music scenes. There's a lot of places on SoundCloud where new artists are trying their stuff out. Um, I I feel like such an old person. I'm like, some of the kids are doing the virtual music. (laughs) But it's true. Some people have a SoundCloud account and they still have a different day job, quote unquote, but are producing music and meeting people online and getting their music uh, out there. I think that there's so many ways in which you can go about that. But so long as you're you're recognizing that these are your passions. Um, understand that your your path in life might take different directions. And so long as it's sort of making you feel good and making you feel fulfilled, there there are no wrong answers to this. You literally can do whatever you want. You know, I mean, I think about the position I was in five years ago, 10 years ago. I couldn't have told you in a million years that I'd be a podcaster. What the heck is that? But I knew that I like talking into microphones. I know I like hanging out with you, Sally. And yeah. you just sort of see where it goes from there. Um, you know, I, I just sort of fell into it by accident and loved it. So there are so many ways in which, especially in this computer world of, uh, internet stuff where you can meet so many people who are doing similar things to you and you can collaborate with them. And you could eventually turn that into a job or look into doing an apprenticeship or working with someone. Um, it, it sounds to me like you're not concerned about getting a job period. So there's nothing wrong as well, like I said, but just getting a day job to fill in the gap while you sort of figure this out. Sally
0: thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations on graduating and also congratulations on, um, well, I don't know. I, I, Congrats on, I guess, like taking a break from your relationship with your dad. Oh, um, right.
1: There's that aspect too.
0: Yeah. Um, it sounds like you made a decision that you feel good about. So um, yeah, congrats on that. Um, you know, I don't really know anything about music and music production. So I have to say that I can't really provide any advice on how to get a job related to those things. But I think that I, if I were in your position, I would be sort of like identifying the people who have the jobs that you would want to do and try to understand and like learn how they got there and what they did. And, you know, people I have found like really love talking about themselves. And so I think that like contacting someone and, (laughs) you know, saying like, you know, I'm, I'm like a, like really interested in, in your career path. Can I take you out for coffee and, and ask you like for a half an hour about, you know, how you got to where you are now, um, or something, you know, something like that, like, don't don't call someone and be like, can I pick your brain for half an hour? <laughs> <laughs> call, you know, call someone and, you know, compliment them on like how what they do mirrors what you might want to do and like have some really specific things you want to ask them and offer to take them out or whatever, you know, like for a coffee. Um, I think that that, like for me in the past has like yielded like such helpful information and, you know, people I think tend to be really generous with their time, especially when someone is like, Telling you like wow you're you're so cool you're doing what I want to do can I talk to you I feel like no one responds to that with like oh no I mm-hmm. mean some people do and they will but um but I I think like most people are like pretty psyched to be um to be able to like provide that help to people and I think that that's a way of like getting the lay of the land and like understanding the field and like getting a sense of like what it is people do to like work their way into certain positions um and I think also. Like I don't, I don't really know. You want to put yourself out there as a, as a musician, so I think like, um, I don't know what kind of music it is you do, but if it's the kind that you can like, you know, go out and perform in the community, I would, you know, yeah, like do open mics, like find opportunities to perform. Um, I, I'm not, I mean, I I don't like music production could be like you also want to make like soundtracks for video games, so maybe it like you it's not a thing you would do out, but if it is, I think like definitely getting yourself out there as much as you can and like talking to other people who are in the scene that you want to be in is like for my money, like the best way to like make a move into a profession that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Yeah. And I also want to say from a uh, one
1: person to another who does not talk to their dad, I see that it's a few weeks in uh, congrats on making a really difficult decision. And it's totally, um, it's, it's hard and it's, it's for the best if it's for the best. And, uh, yeah. Just uh solidarity.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, Drusilla, good luck and thank you for updating us about your last email. Um, definitely like always update us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know about the rad music, music production job yeah. that I'm sure you're going to get. You, you know, you can also, I don't know if you're in the Facebook group, but you can also join the group and see if people, um, there are some like artsy people in the Facebook group and there might be people who are like musicians and oh, yeah. who can like brainstorm with you. So that's another uh, idea. Yeah.
1: So listen, you can tweet at us at StruggleBusPod, email us at StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com, Instagram.com slash the StruggleBusPod, use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a Struggle Buddy, tweet at Sally T, tweet at me at SBK Heller, go on to StruggleBusPodcast.com to become a member for as little as $5 a month, and if you want to join our secret Facebook group, email us, StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com, and give us the email that you use to log into Facebook with. And, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, we have to do it several times because the email with the info will go to the drunk mail folder or they don't get the email. So just tell us if you didn't get it and we will get you into the group. Sally, I need your help.
0: Um, so, OK, these are both amazing.
1: Song of the Week is my pick. And I don't know. So I wrote down two. Sally, what's your.
0: I, you know, it's really tough to argue against Broken Wings. Listen,
1: I have to say. Also, Mr. Mister is the name of the band.
0: Brilliant. Have we not talked about this? That is brilliant. What a great band name! Great band name, and yeah. like the first one is just Mr. and the second one is spelled it, out
1: Mister. Oh, oh!
0: I wrote Minter.
1: Well, oh, there we are, Mister Minter.
0: It's uh, it's the remix. It's the remix. So yeah, Mr. listen. Mentor.
1: If you know Broken Wings, <laughs> this is about to happen. If you don't, this is about to happen. Yeah. Congratulations, this is a great song, but it's actually kind of. I don't know, the the lyrics are, you know, take these broken wings and learn to fly again. And I'm sure it's patronizing and I'm sure it's about sex or something somehow. (laughs) But all I remember is that part. And pro tip, when singing this during karaoke, if you have control of the reverb button on the microphone... Uh, the last part where it's like broken, which on reverb, it's like oh, yeah, 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 whoa, wow.
0: yeah. good, blow tip. your mind. I bet you didn't know that you were going to get a pro karaoke a tip karaoke in this episode, listeners. Tip.
1: Karaoke pro tip is a great. Well, I don't know if it's the episode title, but oh, it's a shit. good. It's a good line. Yeah, there it is. Well, listen. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye.
0: Take Okay. Yeah. It's like a whole new world. All right. Well, we are recording. Cool. I'm really glad that you said that before I started singing A Whole New World. <laughs> we we all dodged a bullet I almost <laughs> chose that as a song. It's a good one. Fuck it.
1: I might do it. All perhaps. right. <clears throat>